You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. This type of church, an upward worshiping church, an inward caring church, naturally becomes an outward sharing church. It's a natural movement. We have evangelistic events, we have outreach, we become mission minded, we share the gospel with everyone we know. We love so people can experience the love of Christ. A church like that would be an Acts 29 church. All too often, our lives as individuals and in the church as a whole are very self-centered. That isn't what God intended for this body. As Pastor Dave will exhort us in today's message, your life should be outwardly focused. You need to be living out the gospel in a way that glorifies Christ and draws others to Him. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 29 for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Worship is a primary characteristic of the church that refuses to stand still. A church on the move. A church that refuses to be a monument of the past. Sad reality is, people are worshiping everything except Jesus. I mean, look at the state of our world. People are worshiping their work, their careers. They're worshiping sports. They're worshiping relationships. They're worshiping money. Now I say that none of these are wrong in and of themselves. I'm not saying a work, career, sports. I'm not saying anything's are wrong in and of themselves. But when they become the priority of your life, when you put them above God, you're worshiping them instead of worshiping our Creator. And that's what's happening today. A.W. Tozier made this quote. We have lost our spirit of worship and our ability to withdraw inwardly to meet God in an adoring silence. He goes on and says, Modern Christianity is simply not producing the kind of Christian who can appreciate or experience the life in the Spirit. And he concludes, The words of the psalmist, Be still and know that I am God, mean next to nothing to the self-confident, bustling worshiper in the middle of this 20th century. I believe things have gotten worse since he wrote this. I believe that now that we're in the 21st century, we've become a host of hurrying, scurrying believers who seldom slow down long enough to look upward, even while at church. As we begin to worship, we slip into neutral. We just slip into neutral, and we begin to reflect on what was accomplished this week or what wasn't accomplished this week or what we have to accomplish next week or a meeting we might have or where are we going to lunch or whatever. When the word is taught, we just endure it. Or are we constantly trying to find fault with it? Instead of listening to the heart of God and allowing his spirit to show us things through his word, allowing the word to accomplish that which the word of God was meant to do in our hearts, 
to reprove us, to correct us, to encourage us, to enlighten us, to help us, to guide us. Sadly, it took a poll of why people go to church. Not one person mentioned worship. Not one person mentioned worship. If we desire to be an upward church and continue the book of Acts, we must give careful attention to worship, including our own private adoration and thanksgiving. We must not wait until a trial or a cruel circumstance that comes up till we start worshiping. We must walk in a state of worship. It must be our life. We must be constantly singing hymns, singing songs, worshiping the Lord, telling Him we love Him, and being one with Him. It is extremely important. Listen to William Temple's definition of worship. This might be helpful to you. We worship God to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to fill the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open up the hearts to the love of God, and to devote ourselves to the purpose of God. I love that. Isn't that great? The conscience, the mind, the imagination, the heart, the will, our entire being devoted to God and walking in a state of worship. Isn't this what Paul means? I think it, what he means in Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Isn't it what Paul was talking about? Presenting ourselves before God in worship. Our corporate worship really is a charade if through the week we're not reaching up to God individually. If this is your only time of worship, then it's a charade. We should be walking in a state of worship, walking in a state of worship, walking in that love and allowing the Spirit to just guide you and fill you because you're worshiping a holy and righteous God. You're standing before the throne room, facing Him and saying, I love you. Thank you for what you've done for me. This is what worship is about. This is our lives. In order to be the hands of Christ, we must be an upward worshiping church. Worship should be something that we always do, not just on Sunday morning for 20, 30 minutes. The early church was an upward worshiping church, and the early church was an inward caring church. Going back to 242, it says they devoted themselves to fellowship, prayer, breaking of bread. The Greek word here, you know it, koinonia. The Greek word is koinonia, which means partnership. It means participation. It means communication. These early believers, they were eating together. They were praying together. They were living together. They were being together. They were studying God's word together. They loved being with each other. They genuinely liked each other. What a concept. They esteemed each other better than the other one. They liked each other's company. You know, so much in the book of Acts is an emphasis on giving one to another or caring one for another. That's why the early church was an inward, caring church. If you go back to Acts 2, look at 44 and 45. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. These new Christians cared for each other. They were socially and even materially involved in each other's lives. This is what true fellowship is, caring about one another. 
enjoying each other's company, learning from one another, loving our Lord together and learning together. As we fellowship in God's word, the spirit moves within us and we begin to experience God's grace as it washes over us. When this grace washes over us, all of a sudden we have this need to share that with someone, to love on someone and tell somebody how much they're esteemed and how much they're loved by God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, that he he would spend everything he had, including himself, for them. You feel that way about your fellow believer? He would spend everything he had for them. Wow. That's what we want. Hughes says, care is a concern for one another's spiritual welfare, their material welfare. Their growth in Christ is to be inward characteristic of the church. Do you care about someone's growth in Christ? You care about your brother or sister, the way they're growing into Christ. Maybe they've slipped. Have you noticed them slipping? Are you concerned about them? I love this passage, and I've quoted it many, many times. You might get tired of hearing it, but I never get tired of quoting it. In Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4, Paul makes this beautiful proclamation here about the mind of Christ. He said, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship in the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, that each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but the interest of others as well. That's fellowship. That's caring one for another. How is this accomplished? It's accomplished by fellowshipping one into another, getting to know each other, getting to know you. No. We get to know those within the fellowship. If a need arises, maybe you can help. Maybe you've been through what they're going through and you can talk to them about it. Maybe things have happened in your life that now this person's going through and you're going, wait a minute. That happened to me a couple of years ago and this is what the Lord showed me during this. Or maybe there's a passage of Scripture. You know, The teaching of God's word just doesn't happen here. We worship, and the Lord is able to speak to you through your worship. And then we have God's word, and hopefully the Lord is speaking to you through God's word. But then afterwards, we have fellowship, and we start to fellowship one another, and then you start to minister one to another through God's word as the Spirit moves you and as the Spirit leads you. So the whole thing is a purpose for everything we do. There's a purpose. And then you go, you know what? We should pray about this. Boom. And then you have the entire Acts 2.42. Right there. And the person leaves and like, wow, I can do this. I can get through another week. I can get through another couple days. Because I know I'm not alone in what I'm going through. I know that I'm not struggling with all these things. I'm not losing my mind because I think I'm some crazy being because of what's happening to me. You find out that other people are just like you. And you find out other things like we're really just human beings. We're really just regular people who happened to love Jesus Christ. Ultimately, care for the body means grace for the world. Care for the body means grace for the world. When you're caring for the body, all of a sudden you start to care for the world. Why? In John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this they will know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. They'll know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. When others look inside the church and truly see a loving body of Christ, truly see that people are loving each other, they'll know that it's real. 
They'll know that something's going on. And they'll know that they're disciples of the living God. It was precisely this caring feeling and this love that allowed the disciples in the early church to storm the world and turn it upside down. It was irresistible. This kind of love is irresistible. Leads me to the final characteristic. The early church was an outward sharing church. They were upward in worship. They were inward in caring. And they were outward in sharing. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to the world was one of the main themes in the book of Acts. As we studied this great book, we saw the gospel message being spread in Jerusalem. You can read that in chapters 1 through 7. We saw the gospel being spread to Judea and Samaria, chapters 8 through 11. And finally, we saw the gospel message being spread to the entire world through chapters 12 to 28. Jesus has told them, You'll still receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost portions of the world. And that was all taking place. We saw that as Paul was given his last days in Rome. But the church of Acts was mission-minded. They had missions on their brain. They wanted to reach the world. For Jesus Christ. They cared for the local body, and then that caring all of a sudden translated into reaching the world or reaching others. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes reaching the world be could right across the street. That could be reaching the world. That could be reaching the world. This is what they did. So the church of Acts was an upward church worshiping constantly our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we do? C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves, and in it he says this quote, every Christian would agree that a man's spiritual health is exactly proportional to his love for God. The closer you grow to God, the more you love God, the more you're going to grow, and the more your spiritual health is going to be seen and shown. The early church was an inward caring church. They had a divine inwardness, if you will. They cared for the body. They esteemed others more than themselves. There was nothing done for personal gain. Everything was for the advancement of Christ. Everything was done for the advancement of the gospel. Church where people would look in and see Christ freely. This type of church, an upward worshiping church, an inward caring church, naturally becomes an outward-sharing church. It's a natural movement. We have evangelistic events. We have outreach. We become mission-minded. We share the gospel with everyone we know. We love so people can experience the love of Christ. A church like that would be an Acts 29 church. That would be a church that's reaching the world. That would be a church that, you know what? I don't care what happens to me, but I want the gospel message to go out. How do we become a church like this? How how do we become a church like this? Well, I thought of eight things. First of all, we need to make Christ the focus of our life. Not only the church's life, but your life as well. He needs to be the focus of what we do. Secondly, I think we need to accept Christ's commission to go forth. He said, go and make disciples. Go. He's given us the call. He's given us the great commission. He said, go. Thirdly, I firmly believe we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We saw that in Acts 1.8. Fourthly, we need to believe the message that we've been given, the gospel, and it needs to become our life. 
Our life should represent the gospel. In other words, our talk should match our walk. If you're talking and not walking, something's wrong. Got to be a continuity there. Thirdly, I need, think we need to demonstrate the unity of Christ's love. We need to demonstrate Christ's love, that unity that we have. We need to demonstrate the unity of the Scriptures, the priority of the Word of God. And finally, we need to look for Christ's return, and we need to tell people He's coming. We need to look for Christ's return and know that He's coming eminently, which means now, today, He's coming. And people need to know that. People need to know that Christ is coming. You know, these characteristics were important to the early church and were evident throughout the book of Acts. But first, we must acknowledge that they are important. We need to look at this list and go, yeah, they're important. And once we do this, then we need to ask ourselves some hard questions. Number one question we have to ask is, if these characteristics were important to the early church, then why shouldn't they be important to us as well? Then... If these characteristics are not important to us, why aren't they? And finally, if these characteristics are important, then why aren't we practicing them in our ministries? Why aren't we showing them? And I'm convinced that if we apply these simple characteristics to our ministries, that there will be an amazing difference in the results of the work that we can do. And if we do, I believe God will bless our work and bring life into any church. And we'll bring forth fruit. People will be saved. People will be discipled. People will be sent into the harvest fields. They will bring glory to God the Father who's in heaven. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that your desire? I mean, every time I read the book of Acts, I get charged. I get charged up and on fire. And I really want to do something daring for God. I mean, I really want to go out there and do something daring for God. You know, I'm all one about stepping out in faith. I'm all about one who steps out in faith. Step out in faith and the Lord done work. I'm all about that. I hope that you feel this way too. I really do. You know, through studying the book of Acts, we've seen the power of God working through lives of ordinary people. Ordinary people. We need to be convinced that God can do that right here. God can do that right here, and he can do it in and through anyone who is wholeheartedly surrendered to him. That word might just encapsulate the entire book of Acts, surrender. We've been studying the lives of those who surrendered their wills. They surrendered their future. They surrendered their careers. Fishermen, come follow me. Boom. They just drop everything and follow him. This can happen to anyone who does the same thing. We should all want a surrendered life, totally surrendered to God. You know, as we studied, we saw sacrifice in their surrender. Selfless behavior, which should inspire us. It should make us excited when you read the book of Acts. I don't know about you, but I can't read the book of Acts without getting excited. You know, he saved us for a purpose. There's a reason you've been saved and he hasn't taken you home. He has you here for a purpose and it's up to us to find out what that purpose is for our lives. It's up to us to find out. Ask him. Second Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. How about Ezekiel 
The Lord said, So I saw a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the Lamb that I might not destroy, but found none. How about Isaiah 6, verse 8? The Lord spoke, saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? The Lord is seeking out men. The Lord is seeking out women that He can fill afresh with His Holy Spirit and use them to bring light into the world. My question is, are you available? Will you accept the challenge that the Lord has laid forth today? Will you totally surrender and abandon yourself completely to His will and His will alone? Will you stand before the throne of God and say today, Here am I, send me. Here I am, Lord. What do you got? I can't wait. What do you got for me, Lord? Are you there? Is that where you are? I'm challenging you today. A God full of grace, full of power, is looking forward to people who will surrender their lives to him. In the book of Acts, we saw Peter, John, Philip, Barnabas, Paul, Silas, and even young Timothy. Remember Priscilla and Aquila? How about Apollos? How about John Mark, who failed once but then came back strong? How about James? How about Lydia? How about the crazy girl who had the python demon in her? And I believe the Lord is still writing the book of Acts today. I believe in all my heart that the Lord is writing the book of Acts today. And he's still working in this world. And he still uses those who are unconditionally yielded to him. God still writes his glorious records of all the miracles that he wants to accomplish through those who come to salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the first step. Salvation through Jesus Christ. Never let us ever forget that. We must come to salvation through Jesus Christ. If the Lord is still writing the book of Acts today, and I firmly believe it is, what does your chapter look like? What does the chapter say? Thea's adventures in Lower Township. Joe's work as an optometrist. Jim and Tish's alpaca farm. What does it look like? What does the chapter that he's writing about you look like? What mighty deeds and mighty wonders does the Lord want to do through you, Kathy, at ShopRite? What mighty, wonderful things does the Lord want to do to you, Dane, as you stamp out bugs? Rachel, as you cut hair. What mighty thing does he want to do through you? What mighty things, what people are just waiting to hear the gospel message that you're carrying that have known you for a long time? I believe the Lord is still writing the book of Acts. I really believe he is. And I really believe he's chosen you to continue that book. He's looking for subjects to write about. He's looking for subjects to write about. I'm going to make you a challenge right now. You want to be written about in the book of Acts? See what God will do in your lives. I challenge you to stand up and be counted and let the Lord fill you with this Holy Spirit and see what God would do with a small group of people who said yes for Jesus and we all say, here we are, Lord, send us. Here we are, Lord, send us. Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, 
learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope, but we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, We'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Assure Hope.